Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. My name's Fiona Blair and I am joined by my co-host Grace Ramage. Hi Grace. Hello Fee and hello everybody listening in to another jam-packed episode of Ladies Who Punt. We've got plenty to cover today because it's an exciting time of year, Fee. It is. So let me just break down where we're at because I know it's still in the middle of winter and it's absolutely freezing, but in two weeks time... At Caulfield, we've got the running of the first Group 1 here in Melbourne for the for the new season, and it's the Memsey Stakes over 1,400 metres. That is the official starting point of the Spring Carnival, really. That's when um, we can start to claim that the good horses are really back in action. They're starting to warm up ahead of some big, rich target races throughout the Spring Carnival. And, you know, this Saturday, in fact, I know it's not a Group 1 race meeting, but we see a lot of those horses already in action. So it's a really exciting time of year. Cannot wait for the next couple of months. It is. And we are here today to really get a lay of the land for the Spring Carnival. We want to provide you guys with a bit of a map through the spring carnival this year just so you can feel more comfortable about what horses are lining up in which races and what races you can follow them on through to. For example, we'll be looking at the Melbourne Cup, how some horses come through very specific races to get their place in the Melbourne Cup the and the Caulfield Cup as well, the Cox Plate, and we'll be looking at a few three-year-old guineas setups as well. It's a really good word that you use before when you say the word map because you almost do need some sort of navigational compass to try and work your way through the next three and a half months of which is the spring racing carnival because every Saturday we've got a lot of stakes racing and a lot of horses that you might think, oh, gee, that was a great run or I really like this horse ahead of this weekend. But to be able to properly understand what the trainers are thinking and what the connections are thinking in terms of that horse's grand final will really be able to provide you with some insight into whether the horse is ready to be winning the race that you like it for or whether... Um, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry down the track and so they might just be warming up sort of a thing. So I think it's a really important topic to cover at this stage because it's a, a definitely a trap that a lot of people can fall into. For example, you can see a horse that you absolutely love as a superstar, won heaps of races last time they were racing and now they're back and you think, well, this horse is just going to win again. But it's not always that simple. Often they'll be having a first up run for a second up, more serious hit out to be winning sort of third up fourth up when they're really hitting their grand final races it's definitely more important for our stayers isn't it grace like the sprinters can sort of hit the racetrack pretty fit ready to kick off and and go for a win but our stayers really need to race to get their fitness yeah I think that's a really good point that you raise and you know when we're looking at the spring carnival and deep into the spring I think the big three races that everybody will be looking towards will be the cox plate uh, which 
which is a group one over 2,000 meters. It's the premier weight for age race in Australia. And then you've got the two big handicap races, the Caulfield Cup over 2,400 meters and the Melbourne Cup, of course, over 3,200 meters. They're the big three and they're all over a staying distance. So it's a very important point that you raise there. Once we finish talking about the spring carnival as a whole, we will also be previewing the Group 2 PB Lawrence at Caulfield this Saturday. So make sure you listen on for that one. Some really nice horses kicking off their spring campaigns here. And it will be a good chance for us to apply what we've just learned because, again, it's one of those ones where a lot of horses are first up. Um, Nice horses that you mention, but we'll be able to see what their targets are and try and get an idea of where they're really being targeted to win for the spring carnival. Well, let's zoom out and look at the Spring Carnival over the next few months. Grace, talk us through when it starts and where it starts and how it follows through to Cup Week. Okay, so if we're talking about the premier part of the Spring Carnival, um, and that's where we'll start before we sort of work our way back. The first of the big carnivals is the Caulfield Cup Carnival, and that is generally around mid-October and it lasts for a week it's two Saturdays the first of the two big Saturdays at Caulfield for Caulfield Cup Carnival is Caulfield Guineas Day and you've got four group ones on that day you've got the Caulfield Guineas for all three-year-olds you've got the thousand guineas just restricted to three-year-old fillies you've got the Turak Handicap and you've also got the 2000 meter Caulfield Stakes so four big group ones on that first day in mid-October generally and then that next Saturday is Caulfield Cup Day Huge attendance each and every year, outstanding racing. Like Caulfield Guineas Day is one of the best days on the calendar because it, the four group ones, like it's horses are absolutely peaking for their races and it's just fantastic competitive racing all through the day. So that's the Caulfield Cup Carnival. Then the following Friday night into the next Saturday is the Mooney Valley Carnival and that is Manicado Stakes Night on the Friday night, a group one for the 1200 metre horses, the sprinters. And then the next day on the Saturday is Cox Plate Day, which is another great day's racing with our premier weight for age race, the Cox Plate, the feature on that day. And then the following week, that Saturday, is Derby Day. And, of course, that's the Melbourne Cup Carnival raced at Flemington four days over the week. So it starts with Derby Day. Then the Tuesday is Melbourne Cup Day. Then the Thursday is Oaks Day. And then the final Saturday um, was always referred to as Stakes Day with two group ones on the program. But they've actually tweaked it this year, and it's now going to be called Champions Day with a lot more group ones as well. So they've sort of bolstered that final day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. So you can see it really heats up. Like there are good races from mid-October at Caulfield Guineas Day right through until the end of Melbourne Cup Week, which is generally um, like around the 7th of November. That's, That's the real premier part of the spring racing carnival but before then so from mid-october earlier we just race at different tracks um, every couple of weeks and there are feature races each and every meeting um, and important ones which we'll we'll be discussing as we go through sort of our map like we mentioned earlier when we're really explaining some of the different lead-up races that trainers will use as a pathway for their horses to get to their target races So now let's take a look at our spring maps, how horses get to certain races. Now, this really starts, you know, at the end of autumn. So the horses that are up and running through the autumn racing carnival are coming to the end of their preps and the trainers are picking out their spring campaign from that early on. So what they'll do is they'll pick out the race they want to target in the spring and they'll work their way backwards 
picking out certain races to get the horses fit and ready for that target race. And then that really dictates how much time off that horse can have for a spell after the autumn because they have to be back in work in time to get nice and fit for their pre-training, their training, then their jump outs, then their trials, then their races, and then their target race. It's a huge job mapping out a spring carnival for a horse. And what we're hoping to do today is to help you be able to look at a horse in a race and go, right, I think this horse is probably actually headed for this race. And today it's just here to get a good run under its belt. Yeah, that's exactly it. When we had our episode, um, when we chatted through, you know, what it's like to be a trainer with Natalie Young. She sort of gave us that indication that there's so much thought into every single step of the process. It's not like a horse is in the paddock and then all of a sudden, bang, they're at the races. Like it is a really long process as you've just highlighted. So um, a lot of thought goes into it. There is so much riding on some of the decisions that are made from so long out um, and of course trainers job is to tinker with things as they go and and make those change of plans if they need to but there's certainly a starting point um, that's on a piece of paper that every horse will have these good spring horses t- targeted at good races they'll know the pathway they're taking they're going to take to get to some of those nice races and it's not always the same for every horse like no. some horses can race consistently every fortnight no problem some horses need some longer breaks in between runs to recover and to to be back in their best form for their next start but we are going to discuss the real classic sort of plans today just to act as a guide for for you all let's start with the biggest two races on the calendar the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup what does a spring campaign look like for the horses targeting these races Well, the most important thing about Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup horses are that they are handicappers. Now, we discussed this at a much earlier episode of Ladies Who Punt, which is the handicap races versus the weight for age races. But just as a little refresher, the handicap races are races where your weight is dictated by the rating that you have. So, when we're talking about a Caulfield Cup worth millions of dollars and then triple that prize money to get to a Melbourne Cup, like there is so much up for grabs. What trainers will do with these horses is they will try and get into the race with a low rating and therefore a low weight to give their horse the best winning chance. It's a really tricky strategy because sometimes it means that the horse misses out on actually getting a start because they weren't able to secure their place in the field. But that is what handicap racing at this group one level is all about, trying to secure your spot in the race with the lowest possible weight and rating. How do they actually get their place? Can you just give us a reminder with the handicap system, like how do they get in? Is it the highest rated horses get in Mm -hmm. first? Yeah, exactly. So if you are the highest rated horse in the race, you will carry the top weight in the race and you will be number one saddlecloth horse. Um, If you are in the Melbourne Cup 24 saddlecloth horse, you know, your rating point will have just been on the cusp of getting a start. You've you've nailed it. You're in the race. 
number 24 saddlecloth and you'll have be carrying 49 kilos or 50 kilos like right down on the minimum and is there a minimum rating you have to have or is it based on how many horses enter and what their ratings are yeah it changes every year so there is no minimum rating i mean uh, it just depends on the strength of the horses that are going to the race on any given year so you might have heaps of high rated horses multiple group one winners that are, are targeting the race for example very elegant last year she won the melbourne cup and she was already like a nine-time group one winner she carried a, a, a significant weight for a mare on that day and she still won so you know she was sort of an exception to the rule as a handicapper um and yeah, no, she was the exception to the rule. So yeah, actually ignore Very Elegant because she's a bad example. When we're <laughs> going to talk about the map of these Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup horses, I'm going to talk to you about the races that they might run in and why. Okay, Grace. So let's start off with their kicking off point. What sort of a distance is a Melbourne Cup horse going to kick off at and at what time of year? Well, of course, it depends on the horse, but I can tell you that there's certainly one race, which is generally a very early kickoff point for Cups horses, and that is called the Heatherly Stakes. It's at Caulfield in two weeks' time. Uh, it's on Memsey Stakes Day. It's over 1,700 metres, and it's a listed race, and it's a handicap. So again, the same conditions of the two big races, the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup, they are all handicapped. So again, it's all based on your rating as to what weight you get. So the heavily stakes over 1,700 metres is generally a kickoff point that you'll see these horses run in first up. Now, maybe a second up or even a third up target um, that's worth mentioning because it comes up pretty quickly. It's called the Naturalism Stakes. I think it's actually now called the MRC Foundation Cup. It's a group three and it's over 2,000 metres at Caulfield and it's on Sir Rupert Clark Stakes Day. So um, generally mid-September. And this is actually a win and you're in the Caulfield Cup. So if you're winning the Naturalism Stakes and you've got a really light weight and you win this race, you are going to be guaranteed your place in the Caulfield Cup. So again, that skyrockets you into the field. You don't even need to worry about your current order of entry because you're in. So that's a really hot race. Like you know that horses are there going to be giving their absolute all to try and win that race to secure their place in the Caulfield Cup. So that's sort of a really big lead up race to the Caulfield Cup. That's the naturalism stakes. And then Grace, from there, the Caulfield Cup is also a win to get in to the Melbourne Cup. So you can sort of leapfrog your way right on in. Absolutely. You can certainly do that. The Caulfield Cup is a winning your in race to the Melbourne Cup, as is the Cox Plate. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. So you go to the Naturalism Stakes. A week later is a race at the Valley called the JRA Cup. It's not a winning your in race, but it's a good race to get horses fit. It's at the Valley over 2,000 metres. And then we're getting to this little race called the Bart Cummings. Now, this is in early October. It's on Turnbull Stakes Day, which is that moving day we have already mentioned. This is a win and you're in the Melbourne Cup race. This is only one of two races in the Spring Carnival um, that are sort of at Group 3 listed level that if you win, you're in the Melbourne Cup. And that is the hottest ticket that you can get for these handicapped horses that want to race in the Melbourne Cup. So that's always a fascinating race each and every year. That's over 2,500 metres. So you can see that these horses are now starting to get up in their distance range um, and a distance range that obviously suits them really well. 
So that's a big one, the Bart Cummings over 2,500 metres at Flemington in early October. But then a week later, you've got a race called the Herbert Power Stakes. And again, it's another handicap race. It's over 2,400 metres and it's actually on Caulfield Guineas Day. So if you're winning that race or running well, you can then go on the seven-day backup at the same track and distance into the Caulfield Cup, which a lot of horses do do. Uh, One horse that did do it to success recently was Boom Time when he won the Caulfield Cup. So then we talk about the big one, the Caulfield Cup over 2,400 metres. And the thing about the Caulfield Cup is that it is traditionally one of the best lead-up races to the Melbourne Cup. Generally, you'll see horses run in the Caulfield Cup, run a slashing race, two and a bit weeks later, head to the 3,200 metres of the Melbourne Cup and be going really well. It seems like quite a big step up in distance, you know, like 24 to 32, but I guess these horses are so fit by this point and everyone's facing the same challenge. And that's the thing. So all the races I've just mentioned, I mean, horses don't run in all of them, but that's an idea of the program that trainers can pick from to find the right pathway for their horse, be it two weeks in between runs or maybe three weeks. And then you're right, 2,400 metres straight up to 3,200 metres. But they're by this stage, fourth up or fifth up and stamina horses, hard fit, it's not too much of a concern. The only other two races that I've got to mention as lead-ups to the Melbourne Cup, because they're both run after the Caulfield Cup, one of them is called the Mooney Valley Gold Cup and it's over 2,500 metres on Cox Plate Day. And then you've got the Hotham, which is the second of the two win and you're in the Melbourne Cup races. It's over 2,600 metres at Flemington on Derby Day, which puts it, strangely, four days before the Melbourne Cup. That is a very tight backup. Yeah, it is a real last minute. Let's really try and get into this race, the Melbourne Cup. But, you know, there have been lots of horses that win the Hotham, have a lightweight for the Melbourne Cup, but they're in it because they won the Hotham and actually race really well because of that weight scale and that advantage. So it's another one that's actually quite a good lead up race, even though it's only four days in between. And I guess when you're competing for that amount of prize money, just getting a place is a good payday. Oh, absolutely. Like if you can finish fourth, fifth, sixth in the Melbourne Cup, like it's it's such a hard race to win. Um, so I feel like if you're finishing, you know, in, within the first eight, you're pretty much jumping for joy and saying, how good is this? So that's the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup, two of the biggest races of the spring. Let's move to the other big race, the Cox Plate, one of the big three. How do horses generally get to this race, Grace? So the Cox Plate is our premier weight for age race. It is over 2000 metres. And again, the refresher on what does weight for age mean? Well, it means that as opposed to a handicap where your weight is dictated to by your rating, meaning that if you're the best horse in the race, clearly you're going to clearly carry the most weight. When it comes to the weight for age races, you can be the best horse in the world, but you will carry the same amount of weight as every other horse that's the same age as you. So Winks could have been taking on a benchmark 64 horse and they're both four, so they both carry the same weight. The whole point of weight for age racing is to ensure that these really good horses, our consistent group one performers and winners, have still got a fair place to win where they're not weighted out of every contest. So that's what weight for age racing is all about. And the first of the Wait for Age Group 1s is that one that I already mentioned, the Memsey Stakes. It's in two weeks' time and it's over 1,400 metres. 
This weekend fee, the race we're going to preview, the PB Lawrence, that's also a wait for age race at Group 2 level. And when we get to that preview, we'll see that there actually are some horses that have got, you know, wait for age goals this campaign that they're kicking off in on Saturday to hope to get there later on. But the Memsey Stakes is generally one of the first kickoff places for these Cox Plate bound horses. Um, a couple of weeks later, two weeks later, is a race called the Fian Stakes. That's at the Valley over 1,600 metres. Again, it's a wait for age race. You've got the Maccabi Diva Stakes the following Saturday at Flemington over 1,600 metres. Generally, two weeks after that is a race called the Underwood Stakes, and that's at 1,800 metres. So again, you can see that on this wait for age path, as we get deeper into the spring, the races that are being put on are gradually rising in distance. Then you get to a race which we've already mentioned. It's the Turnbull Stakes, and it's over 2,000 metres at Flemington in early October. A week after that is the Caulfield Stakes, and it's over 2,000 metres again. And that's on Caulfield Guineas Day. Two weeks later, then we get our way to the 2,040 metre Cox Plate, the main target race for a lot of these horses. So as we've already mentioned, you're not going to run in every single one of these races, but I hope that that makes more sense to our listeners that while we've got heaps of races on offer, the horses that are running in a handicap race at one point are probably going to follow the handicap path. And the horses that are starting off in a wait for age race are probably going to follow a wait for age path. We heard Mick Price in the media recently say that I'm Thunderstruck is going to stick to a wait for age path this spring. So that's what I've just spelt out to you guys they're the sort of races that you'll be looking to find him as he progresses on towards the cox plate and again just to touch on that the cox plate is a win to get into the melbourne cup yeah it is and that's one of those ones where it's a bit different because you've got a wait for age race springboarding you into a feature handicap race and it used to be like back in the bark coming days a really good lead up race Um, horses would win the Cox Plate or run well in the Cox Plate and then win the Melbourne Cup. Remember how I was talking about that horse that we should not talk about because she's an exception to the rule? Very elegant. (laughs) Yep, you better believe it. She ran third, I think it was, in the Cox Plate last year and then she ran and won the Melbourne Cup. But that's because she's a proper weight for H horse. She is not a handicap horse. So that was freakish that she won the Melbourne Cup last year as well. So there's just one other thing, Fee, that we need to talk about because it's a really important one. You might have a horse that is the favorite for the Melbourne Cup. And at the moment, everybody knows that he's a really good horse He's currently looking to get a weight of around 55 kilos based on his rating, which means he's sort of just one of those middle pinners. He's guaranteed a start, um, but he's certainly not the best horse that's going to be in the field based on ratings. But we know that he's priming for the Melbourne Cup. So what the trainer will have to bear in mind is that if he was to win any handicap race leading into the Melbourne Cup, he can be penalised by the Racing Victoria handicapper. And when I say penalized, I mean the handicapper will say, this horse won that race. He needs more weight in the Melbourne Cup. He's actually better than the weight that I've given him. He actually needs to go up a few points. And we know that, you know, weight is a huge thing in over 3,200 meters. So it means a lot. So how do trainers avoid still being able to win races in the spring carnival but not be penalised in terms of extra weight in the Melbourne Cup, well, 
there's this little sneaky rule that says if you win wait for age races through the spring carnival, you don't get penalized. Wow. So that's what lots of horses will do. You know that they're Melbourne Cup horses, but you don't see them in the genuine handicap lead-up races. That's because the trainer wants to protect the rating and the weight, doesn't want them to win a handicap and be penalised, so they'll follow the wait-for-age path. That's so interesting and really a really great option for those horses like Very Elegant that are just at the top of the rating scale already and can't afford to get any more points. So an example that I can put in place for you guys to better understand is a horse called Nonconformist. He's a really good stayer. He's run a fantastic race in the Caulfield Cup last year. No doubt he'll be heading towards the Caulfield Cup again this year. 2,400 metres is his pet distance. But he's not a Group 1 winner at the moment. So technically, he doesn't have to be running in wait-for-age races. Like He would easily be able to run in a handicap race and still be weighted fairly to win. However, his trainer, Graham Begg, Um, might be interested in taking him on a wait-for-age path. So while he's coming up against stronger opposition on the lead-up to his target race, he's not running the risk of winning a handicap lead-up race and therefore being penalised. So if you see nonconformists running in the Maccabi Diva or the Turnbull Stakes, note that Graham Begg is trying his very best to get nonconformists into the Caulfield Cup with a light weight and be winning. So the last path we wanted to map out, Grace, is for our three-year-olds, the horses that are going for the Caulfield Guineas, for the boys and the girls, and then the Thousand Guineas just for the fillies. This is probably a little more tricky to predict, but have a go for us. Well, I suppose it's more tricky for you because there's millions of races for this style of horse. But again, um, if you look at any program on any Saturday, you've got to look for the class and the conditions of the race. And you'll see that quite a few races on the card, um, at least one, if not two, will be restricted for three-year-olds. And these are the sort of races that we'll see Guineas-bound horses, if not Derby or Oaks-bound horses running in through the Spring Carnival. So... For example, this Saturday at Caulfield, we have two Group 3 races, one called the Vein Stakes and the other called the Quisette Stakes, the Vein for the Colts and Geldings, the Quisette for the Phillies. And they are both really good kickoff points for potentially Guineas-bound um, boys and girls. If not, they'll be able to carry on through a sprinting path, but again, restricted to three-year-old class. Uh, that's this Saturday. Then every Saturday from there, you basically can see that there are three-year-old races setting up for horses. And once they're sort of getting up to 1,400 metres, for example, like the Exford Plate, uh, which is at Flemington, it's over 1,400 metres. And then also the Caulfield Guineas and 1,000 Guineas Preludes, which are at Caulfield over 1,400 metres. Now, they are the lead-up races to the Caulfield Guineas and the 1,000 Guineas, which are the two premier mile races for the three-year-olds so that's sort of the way that when you're a trainer of a three-year-old that you think has got plenty of ability and can be running in those feature races you're going to be looking at the calendar which you can see when you look at any Saturday race meeting and picking out the races that best suit the pathway that you're um, sort of putting together to get them to the feature race Then you talk about Derby and Oaks, both of them over 2,500 metres during Melbourne Cup week. Well, the difference is that that's at the beginning of November. Like they've got so much time. And because we're talking about stamina three-year-olds, they can honestly come out of anywhere, Fee. Like it's not as as important for trainers to be putting 
a Saturday pathway for those horses because they could win a 1,700-meter race at sale dominantly and then be put in the derby because it's all about that stamina staying three-year-old and um, they're actually quite hard to come by, the really, really tough and good ones as young three-year-old horses. So that's what we're talking about when we say a three-year-old program. So it doesn't matter about handicap races or weight for age races because when you're just in three-year-old class, you're either at set weights, which is when all the Colts and Geldings carry 58 and all the Phillies carry 56, or you're looking at a set weights and penalties condition whereby the best rated three-year-old might carry a little bit more weight, but there's not a great deal of discrepancy. They're the two conditions of races that you'll see um, when we're talking about the three-year-old racing this spring carnival. Hopefully that has given everyone a really good overview of the spring carnival it's such a busy time of year there's so much going on when you're at race day there's all sorts of activities the beautiful fashion the beautiful flowers it can all be very bamboozling so hopefully this little guide is going to keep you on path to follow all the horses through their big spring campaigns yeah so if you see a horse that runs this weekend that you really like the way that he ran you thought it was a great run um, have a think about where you might be seeing that horse next and, and keep an eye out for him maybe in a couple of weeks time work out where that horse might be going based on what you think his goal might be. I think I'm learning as well that watching replays through the Spring Carnival is going to be very helpful. Looking Definitely. for those sneaky runs mm-hmm. we'll that, you didn't that. See, you didn't see live but you watch back and go oh something there yeah absolutely that's a huge part of when you're doing our form previews throughout the spring carnival like there will be a lot of going back and looking at these lead up races and working out who was the flashing light run who was disappointing but who's the one that we really thought was a sneaky run and can go much better next a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Stop. Now that we've got our map, let's go to our PB Lawrence preview. Although this isn't technically in the spring, it's still August, late winter. There are a few horses starting their campaigns this Saturday, but there's also a few horses that have been up and running for a few months now. So you've got sort of a clash between Mm -hmm. the good horses that might get over a trip later in the spring who are starting off and the horses who are really at their peak run. Yeah, you've absolutely nailed it. That's what this part of the late winter uh, is all about because we've got spring carnival bound horses clashing the ones that have been racing all through winter. And that's exactly what we see when we look at the PB Lawrence Stakes this year. 
five of the horses of the nine in the race are first up and resuming for spring campaigns. And the others have all had recent racing. So they've got that fitness edge over the class of the first up horses. Very tricky time of year to try and work out who the winner is. Very low confidence um, the way that this race sets up for me. But it's a good example of what we've been talking about. And so we'll just take a look at some of these horses, Fee. Uh, The favourite for the race, which has opened on Wednesday afternoon, is Mr. Brightside at $3.40. Now, this horse is first up, trained by Ben and J.D. Hayes at Lindsay Park. He was the last up winner of the Doncaster, which is a Group 1 handicap over 1,600 metres, and that was back in April. So he hasn't had any racing since then. This is his first up run over 1,400 metres. So he is one of the class horses in this race. But then there are other horses like Scalapini, who was really well-backed last start two weeks ago in the Bletchingly Stakes over 1,200 metres. And when we did our form preview, I really liked Scalapini that day. He ran a narrow second. It was a great run. But he's got that recent winter racing fitness on his side, which then brings him closer um, in terms of what performance we're going to see from both horses this Saturday. Like there's really not much between them. It's hard to work out. Definitely. It's, it's as a bit of a beginner punter, it's very confusing for yeah. me to figure out how these horses that are first up and are not going to be at their peak fitness, mm-hmm. but are very good horses are going to match with horses that are rock hard fit, probably going to go for a spell after this. Yeah, exactly. And the way that I go about looking at how these first up horses are ahead of their runs is by looking at their jump outs. And the way you can do that is by going to the racing.com website, typing in the horse's name, and you will generally have um, the, the trial or the jump out information there that you can watch and see how they're going. Again, sometimes you don't learn much because they're sort of just going around and they look fine, but you don't really know how much is under the bonnet. So it is a really tricky one. And you know what? It's almost a wait and see. Like you you just wait and see what happens on Saturday and then start forming opinions. But when it comes to this race fee, I think I have to have, I think I have to side with Scalopini, the horse that we've just talked about because of that race fitness. The fact that Damien Lane is in the saddle from barrier seven, I think that he can go forward and sort of just sit off the speed who looks clearly to be Buffalo River who loves to just go and run as fast as he can and also Streets of Avalon. So I think Scalopini can sit just behind that speed and sort of be the one um, that's within striking distance at the top of the straight. He's the here and now as opposed to Mr. Brightside who we know has got plenty of ability um, and I'm sure will be hopefully winning races this campaign. So whether for me it's just the here and now is Scalopini in this race. I feel like we can trust it more, can't we? We can trust what they've been doing. Well, that's the thing, probably. Yeah, Yeah. we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen it. And jump outs, like you said, very hard to judge. They're over such a short distance generally. And a lot of trainers don't like to expose their horses Mm -hmm. to obviously in a jump out. So I think you're right. It's it's easier to stick with the here and now ones. I've sort of gone the other way. I'm going for a a first up runner, um, a horse by the name of Elephant Number 8, he seems to be pretty suited to this distance. Mm-hmm. That's something I really liked about him. There's a few horses in here that are clearly just kicking off to get over further. But Elephant, you know, around the fourteen to 1,600 metres seems to be his mark. Yep. And 
he's performed at group level as well, which is encouraging. What are your thoughts on Elephant, Grace? Well, I definitely won't be talking you out of him because he is a really good horse. So we have seen him the last couple of preparations race really well. He's a Kiwi. Don't think that that's lost on me, Fee. Um, but, you know, he keeps running really good races. He won the Sandown Stakes in the spring last prep. He is a good horse, and it would not surprise me at all to see him run a really solid race on Saturday. But it is just one of those ones that it's hard to know. Yeah. But as, as a result, like, I can't knock you for thinking that that's the way he's going to be because we've just got no evidence. We need to wait and see on Saturday. But what we do know is that he is a good horse. So he's in the bracket of having a first up run for bigger things in the spring, as is Mr. Brightside, Regal Power, and also a horse called Uncle Bryn down the bottom. Interesting placement for this horse because he's clearly the lowest rated horse in the race. The fact that Trent Busserton and Natalie Young uh, has put him in this race suggests that they think he's going to measure up to some nice races in the spring. So he's definitely one to watch Uncle Bryn first up. I'm assuming you're going for an all-out win bet on Scalapini. Yeah, I think so. I I think so, but I must say it is a low-confidence race for me. Yeah, I'm going to go each way on Elephant. I'm going to spread my risk. So, Grace, just going back to our mapping, what kind of races are the horses that are kicking off in this race going to be targeting down the line? Yep, really good question. So let's go through them. Regal Power is a wait-for-age Group 1 winner in the past. So I'd be seeing him go, he's first up here on Saturday, I'd be seeing him go through a wait-for-age path again, potentially to a Cox Plate or any of the other options on the way through, like a Maccabi Diva Stakes at a mile might be his next start. Mr. Brightside, again, very similar. First up here, likely to follow a wait-for-age path toward a Cox Plate, but plenty of other races to pick off on the way on that wait-for-age path that we've already mentioned. Streets of Avalon, he's second up here. He's a sprinter. So I'd see him staying at 1,400 metres, and he'd actually be one that would be probably going towards the handicaps over the seven furlongs. Uh, The Sir Rupert Clark Stakes is one that jumps out to me, which is in about five weeks' time. Um, Buffalo River, Asa, I Am Superman, they're all horses that I think personally will be going along that path because aside from Streets of Avalon, the others aren't Group 1 winners. They're more handicap-style horses. Um, They're probably the races that they'll be running in. Elephant, not sure about him. He's sort of in no man's land. He could, he could, they could do whatever they want with Elephant and Uncle Bryn is in the same boat. They're sort of two relatively lightly raced and, and I suppose there's, they're not as exposed at group one level as Regal Power and Mr. Brightside. So we'll have to just wait and see where, how they run and where their trainers want to go with them next. But Scalapini, the horse I'm going with, I mean, I don't even know. He's had four <laughs> runs for this campaign. He's fifth up now. Like, you're right. He could go to the paddock after Saturday. They could win this race and say, that's our job done. Put him on ice to the autumn. Exactly. <laughs> well, we've done the spring carnival preview just in time, Grace. We're going to have a quick freshen of a week. We won't be having a new episode next week Mm -hmm. and then when we're back the following week it's really ramping up yeah it really starts to heat up we've got the Memsey Stakes the following week as I mentioned the first group one of the season here in Melbourne and then from there uh, consistent high class racing on those pathways mapping out programs to our big carnivals which will be here in a flash like the spring goes so fast so savour every moment 
Well, that's it for another week. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and that it's helpful for you in guiding you through this spring carnival. It's going to be such an exciting few months. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with a whole new episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 